This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The wish list for Saturday afternoon was three points and maybe a goal from a corner. Well, we've got three points and two goals from a corner. What better Nottinghamshire derbies can you hope for and wish for? When Notts County took the lead just three minutes into Nottinghamshire Derby at the weekend, some of us were thinking, oh God, it's going to be today. Today is going to be the day where our unbeaten record comes crashing to a halt. But step forward, Lewis Reid, Bailey Cargill, Aidan Flint and Lucas Aikens to give us a Derby day to remember. I, for one, am delighted that I was there. Come and share your thoughts, your memories, your comments, your questions, your opinions as the Stags continue to remain unbeaten in this phenomenal start to the campaign as they get one over the league leaders and their Nottinghamshire neighbours. All for one, one for all, three points for the Stags and a broken wheelbarrow. I don't know, I'm still excited about Saturday. Hello one and all and welcome to the Mansfield Matters podcast. It's your show for the fans, by the fans, where... Derby Day Delight is still very much on our minds. Formidable, maybe? What about uh, never forget? I don't know. There's so many different spins we can put on the number four. But I think all four one probably suits. Hello, good evening and uh, welcome to the Mansfield Matters podcast. Hope that you're all doing well and are still enjoying Saturday lunchtime's result at Notts County at Meadow Lane or Memorable Lane as we shall dub it for Aidan Flint as he gets his first Stags goal, takes man of the match. And delivers a Derby Day captain's performance to remember. Joining me to recap that Nottinghamshire Derby Day delight. Let's say hello, good evening to Clive 
from uh, from Edwin Stowe. I can't remember what he's put his name as, but there you go. Hello, Clive from uh, the uh, the Edwin Stowe Outpost. Uh, good evening, Craig. Good evening, everybody. Let's say hello and good evening to Nick of Mansfield Town Shirts. Fame in his uh, freshly painted garage. It is freshly painted. Um, yeah. Hi. How are we doing, everyone? And shock horror. We win on Derby Day, so he turns up for the podcast. Hi, Cam. Oh, that's just rude. That's just very rude. But it's also... Uh, no Alan Wilson this evening. He is uh, unfortunately in the injury room resting. He's rested up his voice. Personally, I think he's starting to do one too many perform appearances on uh, BBC Radio Nottingham now and therefore isn't for the podcast. So maybe we'll have a little word, but we wish him all the very best and we, want, of course, want his voice back in fine fettle for Saturday afternoon as uh, he calls out all of those goals that are going to fly in against Forest Green. And Nathan said he's not going to turn up until we lose. So uh, we will see him next week when we lose to Harrogate. How are we all? Uh, are we all over Derby Day? Yeah, it was a Derby Day to remember, wasn't it, Cam? Uh, it was. I'm 100% not over it yet. Uh, <clears throat> my voice is still a bit um, selective of when it wants to fully work. I had moments today going around Ikea uh, with the partner and the little one where my voice just broke a few times and I'm just recovering. I had a stonking headache when I got back from Medellin on Saturday. They think it was time to recover. You're supposed to spread the goals out, not score three in ten minutes. Jeez. Well, you know, I, I, I don't think, Nick, that uh, anyone else had an issue with that. Because, to be honest, like three in three minutes would have been even better, wasn't it? I don't think you could have written a better script than that one on Saturday, could you? No, I was giddy. I, the word is, I was just giddy leaving the ground. I just couldn't stop smiling. Um, and I don't think that's really stopped. I must have watched the goals back. I don't know how many times I've watched the clips. It helps that it was on Sky as well, because the highlights are a million times more accessible. Um and it's like it's on my TV, it's on my phone, it's on Twitter, it's wherever you go, there's just there. Um, but yeah, that, that was a ridiculous. That was probably the best 12 minutes of football I've seen potentially ever. It was, it was, yeah, it was unbelievable. It was an onslaught. I will never forget the words of Clive Parkin when we won the first corner, uh, when Bailey Cargill scored to put us in front, which was something along the lines of, we never score from corners. And then up pops Bailey Cargill to, to, to break it up. And then lo and behold... When we got the second corner, Clive said to me again, we can't score two from two. We've, we've done our, all our scoring from corners this season. Then up pops Aidan Flint to literally silence the county fans and spread delight in the away end. It just goes to show, Craig, that I know it's very rare, almost unheard of, but on this occasion, I was wrong twice. <laughs> Anything to be wrong about, that is probably it, isn't it? As always, we invite you to come... Can and I just you. remind you, my forecast for the score was nil-nil. I think I underplayed it slightly. Yes, it uh, it was. Uh, absolutely. Uh, keep your comments coming in. I imagine there'll be a fair few of them uh, this evening after a, such a decent result um, on, uh, on Saturday lunchtime. Uh, please do continue to send in your 4-1 or 4 related puns. Uh, I was trying to think of uh, a few of them. In the end, I opted for all 4-1 because, you know, we've got to get the score in there as well. Um, Simon says, looking forward to this one. Uh, Chris says, I'm, I was buzzing before Saturday. I still am. Uh, and also says, for King Hell. Um, keep your comments uh, coming in. Absolutely. I want more of those puns, please. Uh, more comments. Uh, Mitchell says, come on, you stags. Simon says, wow, Saturday was not only our best performance of the season, 
but it was the most satisfying. But it's now chip paper. Forest Green will be a tough test. Another team that will come and park the bus and try and frustrate us. Uh, P.S. I can't stop watching the goals from Saturday yet. Uh, what about that comment there, Nick? The first part of that comment. Um, not our best performance of the season, but it was the most satisfying. Would you agree with that? Certainly the way that in which the second half unfolded. Yeah, certainly. Well, I don't think it was the best. I mean, I think we played better at Accrington. We played better at home. I thought against teams like Wrexham when we, oh, then we, we played better football. I just think it was the perfect storm in terms of they were completely set up to not be able to beat Mansfield. They could not have set up any worse against Mansfield because they decided that they wanted to go long ball and play a high line. And we like to play defenders who were six foot six and above. And we like to run in behind. I don't, I don't quite understand what... I did say to a fan outside, I said, it's like you'd never watched Mansfield before. We don't like pace and we don't like pace out wide. They hoofed it down the middle. They literally were the antithesis of what could possibly, you know, they could have gone. It was, it was bizarre. And I think the most bizarre thing was that they didn't change their tactics. And we stuck to our guns and we chased everything down and, and, and Aikens and, and, and Keeler Dunn and Maris who were chasing the ball up front. I just thought it just completely worked and it suited us. The way they played suited us. I don't think it was our best game. I don't think that we were at our most fluent um, going forward, but I, just everything suited us. It just it just all came sort of to fruition for us because of the way they played, I thought. Yeah, I wouldn't have liked to have been in Luke Williams' shoes on uh, on Saturday as it all sort of came crumbling down because they did not only just change, you know, not adapt their tactics or whatever to, to, to counteract Mansfield like Nick has just uh, eloquently put Cam, but also... Uh, they decided to uh, not go for the, uh, the the former Mansfield goalkeeper, Aidan Stone in goal, who was dropped out of nowhere, dropped almost like a stone, um, and not one Knox County fan could fathom it. And uh, judging by the, the performance of Sam Slocum, if I was a county fan, not only would I be in my mid-90s, but also I would also be sitting there questioning what on earth was going on because he had an absolute shocker. He did, and like like Nick just said, it, it's almost as if they've not watched us all season, and they were so adamant about playing out from the back. And if yeah, if I was a Notts County fan, I'd have been needing a needing CPR or a defib or something every time that ball went back to Slocum. He nearly lost it several times, and. It, yeah, it's, it's bonkers, and I can't remember. What, I think it was my dad or somebody who found the stat, but I think it's just like Slocum had three or four times the amount of touches that Macaulay Langstaff did, which is bonkers. It's absolutely insane, and I can't. And uh, Simon saying in the comments about not being able to stop watching the highlights, I keep getting grief from Ellie for watching the highlights every every moment. You just stick them on because it's. It's very rare that we get days like this as a Mansfield Town fan. And if there was ever a day for our unbeaten run and our fantastic defensive record to come unravelling, would be against them and it would be on Sky. But my geez, Mansfield Town, you are going to give us all a heart attack one day. It's, it is... As uh, your dad in the comments uh, says, Cam, 115 touches for Slocum, 21 for Langstuff. 
you're welcome. Uh, he also says that he said to you before the game that it's about time we battered someone. I really hope it's these. Couldn't believe how bad they were. And to be fair to him, uh, Clive, he was absolutely spot on. I think a few people have been saying for weeks, judging by performances, someone is going to get a battering. But I don't think anybody, anybody, including Mystic Meg, could have uh, foretold it to be the league leaders, Notts County, who had won at that point five out of their five home league games. Yeah, I mean, we have to say this. We were formidable. Um, and at the end of the game, they were forlorn. Three. And I think uh, their manager exposed his lack of um, experience a little bit because he didn't adapt in the way that we see Mr Clough change things when he has to. And, uh, and they played to our strengths. They ignore the fact that we have obvious weaknesses. Just It, it seems amateurish by comparison. And what surprises me is that there they were, they were, they were the league leaders. And, you know, that didn't happen as a result of one game. They've put some run, they put a run together. So that gives me an awful lot of encouragement, really, that going forward, if we play like we know we can, um, we, we shouldn't fear anybody in this league. We're, there's going to be somebody who'll knock us over. The, it's more than likely going to be next Tuesday. We know that. But I thought... Uh, on the day, everything that could go right went right, and um, every every player in our squad performed well. You can't normally say that because even when we play well, there's usually somebody who has a bit of an off game. It was interesting that Martin in Ifellow gave everybody nine for that game. Yeah, Stags player nine. Yeah, that's. I think that's just lazy, but there you go. Most probably, I think you say there, Clive, that everything went right that could go right. Almost everything went right that could go right, Nick, because. You know, realistically, everyone's watching the game from the fourth minute mark onwards, aren't they? Because in those four, first four minutes, the first attack really, when Notts County went and scored and we didn't really follow up that loose ball, a bit of defensive error, there were a few murmurs of thinking, here we go, this is this is going to be it, isn't it? And we did say last week, you know, I was for, fortunately, Nick, made to uh, eat my words saying that the first goal would be the one, the, the team that ended up winning the game. In the end, it was the, the team that ended up losing the game. But they came out of the traps flying and did have us on the ropes for a, for a good, you know, five, six minutes or so early doors. Yeah, they did. The only thing I want to say about that, the only thing I said to my dad at the time, I said, I don't know if this goal is going to be a good thing for us. Because I think at that point they thought, we've scored. We don't really need to go mental here. We can just sit back and pass it around a little bit. And then all of a sudden they dropped into that mindset that we're top of the league, little old Mansfield, we're at home, we're winning the 16,000 of a zero or whatever. And we'll just pass it around the back a bit. And they, they went for it until they scored. And from that minute on that they scored, they sort of just passed it around the back. I mean, we saw the stat early with Slocum. I just looked. Pim touched it 17 times all game. And their goalkeeper touched it 117 times. So, I, I don't know. I think that early goal weirdly helped us. But for the first time in, in sort of 25 years, 26 years of going, I didn't fear that we'd gone behind. I just thought, well, well, we'll definitely score. I always felt we would score. And I never felt that sort of, I call it MK Donsism, that when we went 1-0 down to MK Dons away from home, you literally could have got out your seat if it wasn't so comfy and gone home. Because you just knew we weren't <laughs> going to score. Whereas I never felt that on Saturday. I always felt we would at least score once. Now, they Nick, might have gone on and got a few. but Nick, there's another stat, isn't there? The one that's, uh, I think, Mansfield and Crew are uh, uh, yes. the teams that times. have come from Ten behind times. most efficiently this season. Yeah. Yeah, and I think I mean, we. One of Cruz was down to us, of course. But. Yeah, there, I think 10 points we'd rescued from winning positions, which was the same as Cruz. But that, I never felt like we were going to lose from that point because we just go at it, don't we? We just we never stop, whether it's the last minute or the or 
you know, two minutes straight after they scored, we were always at it. Um, and I think that early goal did for them. They they sort of slowed down for whatever reason. Yeah, one, two, drawn four from uh, Conceit from being behind. Ten points, uh, as you say, joint highest in the division with Crew. Um, but I think that's one thing for me, Cam, this season, which, like, you know, Nick said there, when you go behind, it is almost like the cast list. It's almost like we need to go behind in some respects to, to, to kick starters into life. God help us if we're ever in the 70th minute and it's nil-nil. Yeah. Well, I, I suppose this shows why why we're on such a good run. It, it's that fight and that desire that the players are showing. We've been too guilty in the past of having players that would have just rolled over. You look back at the last time we played Notts County, we went 1-0 down in the second half. And even before going 1-0 down, they didn't look interested. And we were saying at the time that that was probably one of the best Mansfield sides that we've had in X amount of years under Flickcroft, the, the style of football we were playing. If we hypothetically could play this side against that side, this side would walk them off the park. Miles better. And the and the resilience that they've shown this season is is superb because we've not given up, we've not given in. And games and one game in particular in Colchester where you think right, first defeats on the on the cards here and they they just pull something extra out. And it's great to see and it's not a Mansfield team that are just gonna roll over at nothing and Absolutely love it. I think has hit the nail on the head in the comments, Clive, really, by saying this team seemed to 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 know, never seem to know when they're beat, and that's that's a good thing. But I don't necessarily think that that's been grown out of the squad this season. I think that's been grown from the past. Well, ever since we lost at Wembley, we, we've built this dressing room and, and kept a, a large majority of the players and, and slowly built the foundations for something good. And, and this year. Having seen how close we've we've come, those who've been there, you know, the longest time. I know we've got a completely different defence now and added some extra quality. But I think they those players who've come in have really brought into this thing of we don't want to be so so near yet so far anymore. We don't want to give it up. And never knowing when you beat is a great thing to, to have within your, your dressing room. I think it's it's almost better than having a fifteen goal a street season striker for me. Because that desire is what's going to win you games, as it has done on numerous occasions this season. Hence the stat of 10 points from losing positions. I think what we're good at this year is turning adverse adversity to our advantage. I mean, we've, we've come into this season having had five very key players taken away from us through injury. And I think the players have stood up and said, look, well, we'll, we'll, we'll compensate for that. And Barry's a living example of that. I think uh, we've now got a back line which is as good as any I've seen at Field Mill. Um, and that's a starting point of success. The fact that we're conceding fewer goals than anybody else is testament to that. And I think the players in the midfield now are starting to understand each other in a way that takes time to build. And I think the fact that we go behind in games, that isn't a detriment anymore because they have that belief arising from this, we can deal with adversity. So uh, it sounds a little bit Bumpers, but that's that's the way I see it now. I, I wish we didn't start games asleep, you know, and it's not the first or even the second or even the third time that that's happened in recent games. I think if we can deal with that, 
um, that's a good thing. Having said that, would we have gone on to win 4-1 if we hadn't conceded the early goal? Who knows? Well, no, we'd have gone on to win 4-0. Well, you don't know that. Simple maths. Uh, as Mitchell in the comments says, uh, says Nick, uh, I found it strange this might have been our first game all season. We didn't dominate possession, actually got destroyed in that stat, yet we scored four. Would you say we played more direct in this game? Uh, let, well, let's deal with the first part of that and, and, and the word stat. Stats mean bugger all. The only thing that matters is how many times you stick the ball in the back of the net. You can have all the possession in the world, but if we rob it off you four times and go and, and <clears> score four times on the counter, we win the game comfortably. Possession, I could not care a jot about. I, I Yeah, no, I do agree with that. I think the games where we've had a lot of possession and teams have sat back, we found it very difficult to unlock them. You look at Rex and Wimbledon, a few others at home, um, Bradford, teams who came for the point, sat back and gave us the, all the ball in the world. We struggled because things get tight and we struggle in and around the box. But I, like I said earlier, I don't re- repeat the point, but we went long because that's the that's the game we were faced with. And the, the Stags players just adapted to it and went, right, OK, well, if they're going to play long balls, Flint's going to win it. So therefore, the midf- couple of midfielders can play a bit further up. The guys need to be looking at running in behind. And we sort of just went with how the game went. And that's that's just all about reacting to your surroundings, isn't it? And, and how the game pans out. Uh, but I don't think we need the ball. I think we're better without the ball sometimes. it's um, Yeah, I, I think we... Uh, I think we looked better without the ball and, and County just made a mess of it, to put it politely. They just passed it around. They weren't even playing straight five-yard passes. You know, we, we didn't need the ball. We just kept putting in the net. That's all you need to do. Uh, quick question for Cam from Chris. Cam, who was this other ginger man you mentioned on Saturday? I'm interested. We were we were talking before the game and somebody mistook me for being a raging pessimist. Did somebody... Thank you for being me. Yes. I am fucking furious with whoever that is because I do not look like that. <laughs> but yes, Chris, this is the this is the other ginger one I was talking about. Yeah, Craig's the pessimist. <laughs> but even I think even the most pessimistic Craig can't be pessimistic about uh, any of this. No, I can't. Um I don't know whether that's like I don't know whether I should take that as a, as a raging negative on me with people thinking that I look like you or whether you should take it as a massive compliment that people think you look like me. I don't know. Let's move on. Uh, result. I didn't see that coming and great to see four different scorers. Uh, Richard says the reason Knotts had all the possession was because they kept passing it across the back four going non- nowhere. That's a, a very valid point as well when people talk about possession stats. Your possession starts build up if you just knock it between the two of you or across the back four. It doesn't actually give an accurate reflection of how the game's panning out, in my opinion. Um, and Mitchell says, uh, I don't get the luxury of watching every game with it being American problems. Absolutely. Um, uh, Nick has said, other than Langstaff, who I think would score 30 goals a season with the chances we create, I wouldn't pick a single one of their players to put in our team. And Simon says, for me, the turning point was a wet Wednesday, injury-ridden, playing a championship team, winning equals confidence and winning mentality. Can't disagree with a single letter of that, Clive. Oh, absolutely right. Success breeds success. And sometimes it's the game that you've won ugly that gets things triggered as well. Um, you know, I think about the one of the few home successes this season was against Barrow. It was a god-awful game. But we managed to claw a three-pointer out of it. And I think we need some of those. It's all right being beautiful footballers and, and, and playing, you know, 
billiard table football like we have been doing. But there, sometimes you've just got to get you. You've just got to lump people up in the air. And I think sometimes when when teams are coming to build two strong walls to stop us moving through them, you've got to knock them aside. And I think we've got the strength to do that now. Certainly have. Uh, the comment says, do you think uh, they should have had a player sent off for an elbow, Nick? Um, I, I, no, I didn't think so, to be fair. And I, I know a few people said they thought the foul for the first goal, but the player just falls over, doesn't he? I think even the people on Sky said that wasn't a foul. But no, to be fair, I thought the referee was quite good for once. I didn't, notice, I didn't notice him, but I think some of the really silly thing times they went down, he didn't give it. And I thought it was quite... They went down in the box a few times, just no force, waved his arm away, moved on uh, for both sides. And, and to be honest, I didn't have a bad word to say. He was probably one of the best referees we've had this season. I, I agree. Yeah, and I thought there was an instant where one of our players went down as well, but we had an opportunity to counter-attack and nearly scored from it. In fact, I think we ended up winning a corner from it and he played on. Yeah, uh, which was, was excellent. The, yeah, I completely agree. Uh, Chris says they had nowhere to go when they did get the ball. Our pressing play was uh, was awesome. Uh, let's talk corners, Cam, because like we were saying before, Clav said to me on Saturday, as I've been saying as well all season, every time we get a corner, we're not going to score. Let's not get excited. But finally, we managed to, uh, to, to break our duck. And it's all about two things, the delivery and the decoy. Or, in terminology you'll understand, double D. <laughs> Um, is that Donald Duck? Yeah. <laughs> well, we're all quackers for following Mansfield. Anyway, um, I'll send you the bill. <laughs> I think it's an interesting one because obviously the, the frustration it is there. Not frustration, but the, there is a little bit of something in the background where obviously the players and the staff are getting frustrated because obviously Flinty said after the game that the lads were grilling him for not scoring yet. And that's one of the areas that obviously is most dangerous. And then, yeah, like you said, the, the delivery and the decoy for Bailey Cargill's goal, they, they're lumping every single man on Aidan Flint, probably rightly so, but they've just completely not, just, just not thought about anybody else and I'm not going to complain we scored but Notts County must be absolutely fuming with the way they conceded that goal and even worse with the with the third goal because that is criminal defending they played right. statues didn't they yeah they played statues and yeah. alright fair enough they dealt with so it's like they matched, it was a good save from Slocum to tip it onto the post first and foremost but that second ball wasn't dealt with. And thirdly, they've just let Aidan Flint go completely free. There was there was two players manhandling him and they've both just let him go. And he's had four or five yards all around him just to to smash it into the back of the net. It's, it's absolutely criminal defending and we're not going to complain. But if you're a Notts County fan, you've got to be thinking, what on earth has just happened? The delivery side of it, that, that's the... the, the component for me trying to get that right because some of our set pieces have been absolutely shocking and that's down to the delivery but it, it literally could not have pinpointed him uh you know any better i remember listening to a podcast years ago about listening about um, paul skulls in in training for manchester united and he could basically say right go and hit that tree from 40 yards and he'd do it without even like the first time because pinpoint accuracy that's how you you train and that's how you get better and the delivery for Bailey Cargill's uh, goal, lovely outswinging ball, just not too much pace in it, just hung up well in the air, 
the, the run was well-timed. Everything that could have gone right about that set-piece went right. Yeah, I, I, I think the delivery's been getting better as we go. We, we had a habit of, of hitting them as hard as we can, trying to take the player's face off. Whereas now we've started to hang the ball in the air a little bit and that plays to your strength because it gives your tall players time to sort of get into position. And I, I, I do think the delivery's been getting better. We still do occasionally hit the first man quite a bit, but I think it depends who takes it. I think Keeler Dunn's a, a good penalty taker, a good corner taker. And I think McDonald took some near the end and he took some really good ones as well. But it's, it's, it's a welcome addition isn't it, to the to the sort of armoury we've got and ways you can score because we've been trying to force things out of open play, getting corners and free kicks and wasting them. Whereas now, if we can add that sort of... You think when we got promoted, how many goals Reece Day scored from corners? Oh, yeah. You know, we must have won more than 10 points with, with late goals from corners that, that Adam Murray took or, or Liam Lawrence or whoever. Um, but we've got so many good ball players. One of them isn't Anthony Hartigan, much to Clive's displeasure. Um, <laughs> But, you know, we, we've got so many players who should be able to hit a 50 pence piece. Can I just say, Hartigan would not get in this side. I'd still put him in ahead of Boateng. That's another argument for another day. Um, carry on, Nick. <laughs> um, he scored a good free kick, though. Um, so, yeah, I, I, obviously, we, we do practice it, but we do mess around sometimes with it. So, now we've got Flint in there and, and Cargill. Um, he's got to wait for them, haven't you? That's the, that's the main thing. Cause chaos. Flint causes chaos, and that helps. I yeah. think Aikens does as well because he doesn't know where he's going. No one else does. He just, you know, mooses around the box and just bangs into players and into things. Flint, it was the same. And like you say, four, I think four men marked Flint for both corners and they just stopped and he just walked into the middle of the six-yard box and punted it in the net. That's we could the, have had more. That's the important thing though as well, Clive, that, you know, uh, Aidan Flint said in his post-match interview that he gets a lot of stick for, or he's had a lot of stick so far from the staff for not scoring from corners. I think a lot of his uh, work early doors from set plays though has had to be that decoy because defenders look at him from a set piece and think oh my absolute god I'm not I, I don't want to be marking that I don't want to be picking up we're going to have to double up on him to try and stop him so naturally you know we don't get any success from it so he has to go a little bit deeper and often he's, his role has been heading the ball back across the box and back into play whereas you know I think we've started to pick up on that a little bit more and when you've got players in the side like Bailey Cargill if Flint's being taken up by th by three defenders, that's going to open the gap. He gets his run right, gets on the end of it, and like you know, like somebody said, that header nearly ripped the back of the net, up, net out. Yeah, I mean Flint has obviously been getting some some ribbing, I think, from his colleagues because he has a reputation for scoring plenty of goals. But a couple of things: um, one is you can only head him in if you get delivered the ball that you need, and this is like the first time we've seen that happen. Um, in fact, Clough's complaint a couple of games ago was that when he sent him up, nobody seemed to recognise he'd sent him up, so nobody was targeting him. But I think against Knotts was a good example of where he just caused absolute chaos in their defence because they were they were mindful of him to the point where they were obsessed by him. And uh, as soon as the ball hadn't come to him, they were in the wrong positions. And then they tried to, to gather uh, momentum again, and uh, by which time he'd been left all on this little own. I think I could have scored that one. You know, the, the reality is that uh, you've got two big men up there. Who are they going to mark? <laughs> and uh, they didn't mark the right one for the for the car, uh, Cargill goal. Mind you, he, when he headed that, it stayed headed, didn't it? My God, did he hit it properly. You yeah. Know? yeah. My one complaint on corners, though, is we don't send Bowery up, which is always in. I know he's fast, 
but he's also quite tall. You know, when he stands next to Flint and Cargill, Bowery is actually quite tall. And yeah, he's scored we, quite a few goals with his head, hasn't he? Yeah, we have like Reed in the box and Bowery back. And I know he's not as quick. I understand it's a pace thing, but a lot of teams don't leave players up anymore. And then you've just got Bowery on his own and Reed's in the box. I'm like, what's he going to do? Bowery up there. So that's my one complaint on, on, on corners is get Bowery up there. Get Barry back up front. No, not really. Get Barry anywhere. Cam, you're smiling away at that Barry comment. Either that, no, or, I just... or you've got your. <laughs> you're watching the you're watching the, uh, the the double D program again, aren't you? I'm watching the England game as well. But uh, no, um, I how rude! Nick, I just love Nick's comment about what's Reed going to do. He's got the equaliser. Not not from a corner. He didn't. Oh, well, yeah. No. Um, on on the corner, you, you look at the footage back, and it is it is first and foremost, it's fantastic work by Flint to take the attention away and Cargill to get up. But the way that Cargill's got up, he's let like an absolute salmon, but he's timed it perf- perfectly to get the ball, but also perfectly to not allow the Notts County player to get a jump. Notts County defender that's on Cargill or the player that inadvertently ends up marking Cargill at the end of his run, can't get up off the ground because Cargill has timed his jump absolutely perfectly and he just cannot get off the ground and he's just stood there like a statue and just watching this ball fly into the back of the net. I mean, for all you know, you might have wanted to stand by and watch our excellent football. It's one of those things, isn't it? Uh, keep your comments coming in. Uh, Richard says, I said the same thing about corners. Uh, no point in getting excited. However, thinking back to last Saturday at Wimbledon, DK, he... DKD hit a corner straight onto the head of Gale. The difference was Cargill didn't stand on ceremony and buried it, whereby Gale tried to place it. The delivery has been getting better. Yeah, there's that experience thing in there as well with that one, but completely agree. Uh, Chris says Flint had already started celebrating, thinking Aikens had score when the ball came loose for his goal. Uh, Chris says, I think that Cargill goal might be my favourite of the four. Reminded me of the Tafazoli one at Knotts. He just seemed to want it far more than any other Knotts player. Um, and Bowery played a blinder as well, says Paul. Uh, final thoughts on the Knotts game before we take a very quick break and then turn our attention to other Mansfield matters. Uh, Nick, I'll come to you first. In terms of derby days of recent years, obviously we've waited a, a few years to take on the Nottinghamshire derby again with what we've been in the conference for a, uh, a fair while. Um but we've had some belters over the years. We've obviously had the, the Kane-Hemmings penalty in the last minute, the 5-0 home drubbing, uh, the 2 all draw, onesie, you know, the Eisen-Christie goal from years and years and years ago. Where does this one rank in terms of uh, Nottinghamshire derbies? Because for me, given the fact of our unbeaten record, the fact we've not played them for so long, them being five unbeaten at home uh, and top of the league, I think this one has definitely got to be up there in the top three, maybe even the top one. Yeah, my... This would be top. I think my second would be, I was lucky enough to be mascot when we beat them 3-2 at home when we got into League One or Division Two as it was back then uh, in 2002 when um, Craig Mitchell scored that screamer from outside the box. That was up there for me. That's got. But, but then we got relegated, so I sort of forgot about that. Um, I think the best part of this, the best part of it all is that it was on Sky. I work in an office where not that many people like football, but every single person in that office had seen part of it. And it's just better that they'd done it for all the world to see. And it wasn't just, you know, oh, we'll sweep under the carpet. It'll be on iFollow. No one's going to watch it. It was on Sky Sports and we battered them. And I don't think there's anything better than being able to have that on my uh, TV box forever. Recorded the highlights on there all the time. They're always there. 
County fans won't be able to forget them. The algorithms of Sky will keep popping it back up. It's great. What more could you ask for? You want to be careful yeah. over and over on repeat, as Cam will tell you. Eventually, you'll go blind. Clive, your thought, final thoughts on the Nottinghamshire Derby win? Was it up there in terms... You've seen the most of all of us. Yeah, I think Ooh. it was probably probably the best win because we, there was least expectation because of the position that Notts had created for themselves. Um, so, I think it's the best one. It's certainly the most enjoyable one, in, in my opinion. And uh, just to finish my little bit on here is... Um, Bowery, what what a player! I mean, absolute. He's he's made that right back position his own. You know, who would have thought that? In fact, in fact it was many people's choice for man of the match on Saturday. I tell you, you'd have thought that Jordan Bowery would have thought that because Jordan Bowery is in an absolute league of his own. Cam, your final thoughts on the Nottinghamshire derby? Where does it rank in terms of derby day victories for you that you've seen? Um, I think it have. It ranked second for me, just because Mal Benning's, uh, sorry, Sir Mal Benning's goal against Chesterfield, obviously, up top Derby we days. Today. We didn't realise we were including Chesterfield games. No, he's got it around his, around his melon. Oh, we just do it. All right. Uh, first, then. I thought you meant Derby days. No, uh, first. I, I just feel like it's just, it feels a lot more because it meant so much to Notts County. Previously, the last time we played them, 2019, obviously we lost. They bigged it up like it was going to save their season and they still went down. So it's just their little way of being like, oh, we're finally playing Mansfield again. It's on the telly. We're top of the league. We've 100% home record and then we've gone and absolutely trounced them. It's just brilliant. And same same as Nick, I, I recorded the game and I watched it back i watched it back yesterday uh sunday when i got back from huddersfield and it's it is superb watching it back for the ninth tenth eleventh time brilliant it'll never get old well at least at least that when ellie catches you watching something we know it's not something dodgy it's the Notts county game right we're going to be right back after these uh we'll be talking north stand we'll be talking cup draws and we'll be casting our eye ahead to the next few games as well don't go anywhere this is the show for the fans by the fans and i for one can't wait to talk to these three again after the break And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. 
Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome back to the show. Before this podcast, hope you're doing this evening. Thanks for joining us as always. Uh, right, we're going to turn our attention to off-the-pitch matters now, Clive, and talk about something which uh, has been long in the offing, trying to find a resolution for our ticketing problem. And one of the things that has constantly come up in conversation is, if only we could have some of the North stand when teams like Forest Green bring 20 fans. Well, on Saturday, we're going to have part of the North stand when Forest Green bring 20 fans. Finally. Absolute common sense. And the initiative is well appreciated by me, one of the biggest critics of the lack of adaptation of our ground. I think the, the reality is they're having to work very hard to do it because there, there isn't a natural uh, segregation in that stand. So, and it's as well, they're going to trial it against a team that, that will only bring a very small number of fans. But those 577 extra seats available to Stags fans are, would be quite welcome, I think. Sadly, I don't think we will sell out all our allocation for the match against Forest Green, but it, there'll, be, there'll be fans in there. And it's got to be better for the team to have fans behind each goal. Um, I, I, don't, I mean, I'm guessing we can't do it for every game because there, there are teams like Wrexham that are so already, well, they haven't already, but they, they will commit themselves to selling out whatever allocation we offer them. Now, if I understand the rules correctly, we are obliged to offer 10% of the stadium's capacity to visiting fans. Well, 10% of about 9,000 is 900. So you could actually, if, it, if, if, it, if the trial works out well and there's no problems with it, you could make that a permanent op- situation where you could divide that stand, put a bit of segregation down um, C block and, uh, and obviously have some permanent segregation on the concourse behind. Um, and therefore, we would have the choice then whether to offer the whole stand or more increasingly just the stand that satisfies the league's minimum requirement. Yeah, let's uh, quickly read the uh, full uh, article from the club. This came out on Sunday after the uh, Notts County win uh, on Saturday. Uh, Mansfield Town Football Club is pleased to announce that blocks A and B of the North Stand at One Course Stadium will be available for home supporters for the Stags home match against Forest Green on Saturday 21st of October as part of a trial exercise. Following months of planning and dialogue with the appropriate authorities, 577 tickets will be made available to Stag supporters in the North Stand for the aforementioned fixture. The move comes following a remarkable rise in home attendances, which has led to an average crowd of 7,523 at One Course Stadium so far this season. In the latest development, the club is endeavouring to maximise the capacity of One Course Stadium for Stag supporters as part of its ambitions to continue to increase revenue and maximise the support for Nigel and the players. The club will use the aforementioned game as a trial run and depending on its success, will look to make available the same blocks to home supporters for future games where the number of travelling supporters is anticipated to be low. The conduct and behaviour of supporters is therefore paramount to ensuring the success of this trial for the future prospective home games. Uh, tickets are obviously now on sale via stagstickets.co.uk. I did have a little look earlier on as well, uh, and so far we've sold just under 
100 or so of those uh, tickets in blocks A and B. So like Clive says, uh, I don't think we'll sell that out, but very much uh, a, a trial period, Nick. But also what comes with this uh, is, is twofold, really. First and foremost, the emphasis that it is a trial uh, and therefore that there will be teething and logistical problems, but also the fact that um, it has been in the works for a long time. It's not just come as a, as a reactive thing. The club have been looking at, at ways to maximise it and now is the time to, to try and take advantage of it. It's got to be a softly, softly approach this, hasn't it, to, uh, to see how it works. None of this moaning about having to travel from you know, the turnstiles in the Ian Greaves lower to to the stand and, and have your ch tickets checked twice. None of the shared facilities things having to go across. It's a trial and those things will come in time if this is a successful exercise. Yeah, I think the main thing for me is that it, there's a concession by the police and authorities, which I think is massive for us, to for them to at least allow this trial is a big thing. You know, we all know they've been a massive thorn in Mansfield's side in changing ends for fans and, and we've obviously had issues around this segregation in the North Stand. So the fact that they've made some concession to the club, which they've obviously been working hard on, is, is massive, I think. Because if this goes successfully and you don't get idiots, you know, fighting in the same stand on Saturday, then I only see it as going a one-way street to eventually hopefully getting some of that stand back. And I do think the club will be working on the Bishop Street. I, obviously, they haven't confirmed anything. But if this has took, say, I think probably as soon as they knew the 5,000-odd season tickets were coming, I think they probably started to work on that at that point. I've no doubt they'll be working on the Bishop Street as well and looking at other options. Um, but I think it's great. To visit, I, I sort of grew up as a Stags fan, first of all, in the West Stand, but then moved when I was sort of eight or nine into the North Stand. You know, I loved it there until we were booted out. Um, and I think a lot of Stags fans obviously won't get the chance because their season ticket will be somewhere else. But hopefully for the 100 or so that do end up in there, that they, you know, enjoy it and represent the club in a in an adult manner. And we, you know, we don't get any incidents and the police go, you know what, we can do <coughs> Mansfield fans, which I don't think they've probably ever said before. Yeah, that's the key thing. I think the other key thing, Cam, as well, is, is the fact that um, it is a trial. And like we said, you know, there are going to be some logistical problems with that, having to go in through the Ian Greaves lower turnstiles, having to transfer back and forth across for, for those facilities. But like Clive said, if it's a successful trial, then in the future, there is space, uh, you know, behind that goal there's a little bit of uh, concoursing where they can potentially put an extra turnstile in put up a, uh, a toilet a small toilet block and maybe a, a burger van or something there is space there to to do it to try and uh, turn it into a more manageable and flexible space it's all about being patient here isn't it and you know encouraging people to buy because if people don't buy then this offer will be ripped off the table no sooner as it's been placed yeah it will uh, I think one thing that needs to be echoed uh, across all supporters, and I, I, I mean this in the nicest possible way, Q-Block, fuck off. Don't go in there. Because they are the people that will ruin this for everybody. He's a minority. It is a minority. It's only a few. But it's a very high probability that a percentage of from that block would be the ones to ruin it. I think you're 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 slightly worrying about nothing there, Cam, because all of the people in Q block, all the people in Q block are season ticket holders, and therefore they can't transfer. I think I get, that. I get the point though of uh, like it not being 
aren't there to watch the first thing. First thing. Away fans, I think. It, it, you can move your season ticket, or you have to relinquish your season ticket to the ticket office for one game, and they can give, offer you another ticket elsewhere in the ground. Because I've had my little one before, and I couldn't sit in the west upper with her, so I've I've sat in like the lower. Um, well, that's in that's dad. in the control of the of the club, isn't it? Yeah, yeah it is. But uh, th- that's still then they don't won't necessarily know every single troublemaker at this club. That there's no way the ticket office staff will know who the, the who they can and can't move. The police obviously will know, and that it'll get to the game and it'll probably flare up because they won't let him into the seat or something. Damn. But the, the, it's still like yeah, like Craig said, it, it's just the fact that if if we are wanting this to be a permanent thing and for this to be uh, available to everybody, then I just hope and pray that the minority that are there for uh, ulterior motives are put off from from going in there and, and ruin it for everybody else. The way to deal with that is to make it available to family tickets. Yeah. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I'd agree with that. That's probably a fair additional family thing. The caveat is uh, potentially it being... Um, closer to the away fans. And, then, you know, as much as Cam mentioned there about there being a small, and I highlight the word small, minor, minority of um, people who aren't there necessarily to watch the football and to, to cause a little bit of trouble and, and things like that, that also can be said for the away fans as well. So there is that little bit of a, a worry as well. So we also, as much as we're relying on home fans to, to buy those um, tickets, uh, we're also um, relying on people to, uh, uh, you know, the, the visiting fans to also uh, behave and comply with it, which is why the club have got to put in place things like using the, the West Lower Turnstiles, having portable toilets, etc. Yeah, this has got to be temporary because it's, it's a trial. There's no point in club investing lots of money putting separate turnstiles or, and permanent snap cabins in there if it's not going to work. So I'm, I'm actually totally behind the club's idea um but you know putting fans from the, both teams in one stand is not unheard of we were down in uh, uh, in gillingham a couple of weeks ago and we the stags fans are in one end of a stand that is predominantly their fans and all there is is a bit of netting and a, and a, a slightly enhanced steward line absolutely and and the 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 measure is not what is on the seats it's on what's on the concourse. If you can't get to where the other fans are on the concourse, the opportunity to cause trouble. The only thing that's left is separate access. Well, separate access could be made available to that those two blocks of the North Stand if the trial is successful and is deemed to be a permanent situation. Yes, well, uh, right, let's uh, continue where we're saying... Um, I can't remember where I was at now. Uh, yeah, uh, I've lost completely what I was talking about. There you go. Uh, right, let's uh, move on and uh, keep talking about these attendances. Then, and I think, like someone said in the in the comments, uh, Simon actually sent it in the um, the comments. Demand is starting to outstrip supply. Uh, what a great position to be in. The club has got to be looking at growing the grounds capacity. And if you look at the uh, the increase in attendances, the average attendances over the last four or five years or so, 
it's just gone up and up and up and up. And if we continue in the vein of form that we are, Nick, as well, this won't just be a one-time thing if it's successful on Saturday. Yeah, hopefully not. I mean, I because I, I don't know, I'm just trying to put together sort of Stag's historical kit records, which is the bane of my life at the minute, trying to put them in an Excel spreadsheet. I have to look at YouTube videos of old games to see what particular shirt we wore in a particular game. And some of the home games from like, I mean, not that long ago, really, sort of 14, 15. I look in the quarry lane where I sit and there's literally no one else on my row, apart from me, my dad and my mate. And that's it. There's no one on the row. It's incredible how empty the ground was just, you know, less than 10 years ago. Um, even for big games, there's just no one there. Um, so that upward trajectory has been massive. Obviously, it helps that the team's playing well. But I don't see that waning at the minute. I think there's a real passion for sort of local football. Um, and live football, I think, has become a big thing for people. I think people are getting a bit turned off by the whole VAR Premier League thing. And I'm not suggesting anyone sort of comes to Mansfield because of that. But it's it's another sort of thing where people sort of value live football. And I think that's really big at the minute. Um, but I, I see us just expanding. And hopefully, you know, if you could see us in five, six years' time, would we have the... Would we have the Bishop Street done? I don't know. Would we move? I don't know, but whatever. But I only see it as being an upward thing. I, I don't see attendance just dropping off anytime soon. I think once you've committed to a season ticket, the chances of vast swathes of people stop having a season stop ticket. It's quite small. I think it's perfectly true what Nick's just said. We're unlikely to dip below 6,000 for any game. You know, we could play in the local plumbers and we'd get 6,000 because of the pre-sold seats. Yeah, uh, I completely agree. Uh, if you're having audio issues, well, I fig I'm figuring out it's Cam. It's looping back through Cam. Every time I unmute Cam, everything's looping back through him. So it's him. Uh, this is what happens when you have several browsers open, including 18 plus websites. Get off the get off the delivery and diversion websites. Naughty. Right. Uh, let's move on and talk uh, cup draws. Clive, uh, Wrexham at home again. Yay! Yay! I've got mixed opinions about it. I mean, it, we should be able to beat them just the same as we should be able to beat them in the league. We're at home. If we'd got Manchester United, we couldn't have got any more in the ground than we're going to get in the ground. So we have a chance, have a chance to progress, and that's in a meaningful cup. And I think I'm, I'm not at all disappointed. I think if we'd been away to Wrexham, I would have been. I'm going to unmute Cam now. I might regret doing this. Uh, but he was uh, the one in the group chat on uh, on Sunday when the cup draw took place. That was throwing the dummy out of the pram and wasn't happy with the cup draw. The cup draw. It's a crap draw. I'm hoping my audio's fine, by the way. Your language, Your language no is no good. <laughs> Thanks. Oh, no, I'm working there. If you don't, if you don't talk, it's all right. It's all right. It's, it's, a, it's, it's a crap draw. Uh, and... I think the only positive that that's, that we're playing Wrexham is potentially that we could be on the TV in America and get a little bit of money. It's just, it's always boring when you play another League Two side or a League One side that you've played loads. And uh, yeah, it's it's just a bit, a bit naff. I'm going to mute him again now. Uh, I don't see how it is a crap draw, to be honest, Nick, um, because it's not round three. If that was a round three draw and you had all those big teams in there, um, I would completely agree and say uh, it, it would be a, a crap draw. But actually, what you want in round one and two, winnable games. And as we've proved over the last 
um, God knows how many um, weeks, uh, is the fact that we we can battle against the likes of Wrexham and we can um, beat Wrexham. We've had a really good cup run in the Carabao. I think we're going to have a good cup run, fingers crossed, in the uh, in the Poppy John's EFL trophy. And I think we're going to have one in the FA Cup as well. We might get a, a little game on Disney Plus or whatever. It's a winnable game. It's at home. We've, we sold out against them before. We'll probably do it again. Win, 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 win. There's two draws I wanted. One was Cray Valley Paper Mills, <laughs> which I was extremely disappointed that the mighty Mansfield weren't going down to the you know, Cray Valley Paper Mill Stadium or whatever the hell their, their stand's made out of paper. Or Worksop Town. Origami Arena. I wanted Worksop Town for the George Taft Derby, but it just wasn't to happen. Um, I don't know if that's its official title, the George Taft Derby. But I, I would have liked that. Any of those two, but to be honest, I, at home, as soon as you said Mansfield Town at home, I thought we can win it. Doesn't matter who gets picked on the other side, does it? Um, I was just hoping it wasn't like County or Chesterfield. Just can't be doing with that. Let's, that asshole's done now for another few months. So uh, it could is what it is. Could have been Salford away. That's it. Could have been. Yourself. It could have been Exeter away. It could have been. There was a plethora of terrible teams in there. So we got out the draw early. We picked somebody we can probably beat. We can boo Ollie Palmer again. You know what more could you possibly want out of life than that? So he comes coming round to the idea now. <laughs> I can't hear you now. I can, you're not even muted at my end either, which, do you know what? I find it <laughs> I, mean, I, I feel... <laughs> I can't hear him at all, which is great. Um, Chris in the comments says, can the ginger pessimist see I wasn't I wasn't mistaken? Uh, yeah, just I can see his lips moving. I can't hear him. You know what? You know what would be even better? If I couldn't see his face. There we go. Even better. Can't see his face now. <laughs> right. Uh, let's move on. Uh, let's uh, also talk quickly about uh, under-23s at home at the RH tomorrow, Clive. Two o'clock kickoff against Derby in the uh, Central League. Um, one or two players, I'm sure, uh, on the fringe of the first team will, will get run out. Uh, Mr. Williams is on the uh, the picture, which means he'll probably play. George Cooper, Mikhail Abdullah, probably James Gale. Good opportunity for to, to see uh, those those coming through and uh, for other players that need it to get minutes, I guess. Yeah, I'm quite looking forward to it. It's um, it's an afternoon's diversion and uh, we don't get a chance to see the, uh, if you like, the second string as much as I'd like to. So, yeah, be interesting to see what happens. Right, let's see what happens when I press uh, a little button uh, and it's this one. So will they win, lose or draw? And what will be the score? It's the guessing game that brings you zero fame. But to be the best, you must outguess the rest. So will they win, lose or draw? And what will be the score? In the League or Cup, you just make it up. Because they're just works of fiction. It's podcast predictions. Will they win, lose or draw? So two games to look ahead to. Forest Green Rovers at home on Saturday and Harrogate away on Tuesday. I think, Clive, we're all sort of tongue-in-cheek saying, but sort of deep down knowing that if this unbeaten run is going to come to an end in the next two games, it's probably going to be Tuesday night because Harrogate are a bogey side. We need to pick the bogey, flick it away and uh, get that, put that, to use a Halloween term, ghost to bed, don't we? Yes, it's about time we turned Harrogate over. Um, I'm 
I have to say we've absolutely no reason why we shouldn't. They're no team this year, um, and we are. The momentum is with us. Doesn't mean a job when you go to Harrogate, I'm sure, but I'm going there optimistic. Uh, and Nick Sastay, of course, back on home soil, uh, hopefully with Alan Wilson able to call out numerous goals uh, with a much better and much improved voice. Um, they are 23rd in the league at the moment, obviously relegated last season, change of manager and then another change of manager. Um, they're not having the greatest season and they seem to be heading in the direction they deserve to be heading, which is back towards the uh, the conference to allow a, a better standard of club to, uh, to come up and take their place. Um, Three wins, one draw, nine defeats so far this season. Uh, however, in their last game, 5-0 winners over Colchester United. So things could potentially be on the turn. If any team's going to come to the one-course stadium and try and uh, frustrate us, they're going to be another one of those teams, aren't they, that come and stick men behind the ball and try and make it a frustrating afternoon. Yeah, they, they're going to lump it to Troy Dini, aren't they? I assume he starts. I know he plays there. I don't even know if he actually plays. I assume he does. Um, yeah, they're going to sit behind the ball. We've maybe got to be a little, a little bit smarter. Maybe not just try and keep the ball all the time and invite them onto us a little bit so there's a little bit of room behind them because if they just sit and defend all game, it will be painful. But if we make the, the most of set pieces, maybe we don't need Maybe we don't need to get in behind them. I don't know. But the, the, there's no reason to believe we shouldn't beat them. Um, I did forget the last two predictions because I wasn't on here and nobody reminded me. So I did literally just forget. Listen, I need I need babying to the point where you need to stand by me and make sure I do it. I think we do need to be cautious because I think Flint or gets will be slower by comparison than he has been because it can't be easy running with Troy Deeney in your pocket. Somebody said that Cargill had got five yellow cards. I haven't I haven't clarified that. Is that a one match ban? Yeah, Is that correct. So he won't be playing. I guess it's, it's, a it's a question whether uh, Williams or uh, it's got to be Brunt for me. Brunt comes in. I would have thought Brunt. Yeah, I would have thought so. Brunt's the natural replacement. I think he was unlucky to uh, be dropped the last couple of games. Bowery. Bowery there. I agree That's with what Clough will do. I agree. Bowery there. Bowery, moving, putting Bowery across there, he's been excellent. Doesn't deserve to be dropped. But brings Johnson back in to give us a little bit more attacking depth down that right hand side. There's absolutely nothing wrong in me. No, you can't take Bowery out of right back. I wouldn't hear of it. You can put Barry wherever you like and it will still give you 195,000 million percent. Right, well, let's see if we're going to get mime or audio in in, in this bit. Uh, let's see. Cam, who's, uh, uh, what's the name of the, the guy that uh, mistook you for me? Yeah, no, it's just mime. So this is how we're going to do it, right? So you've got to, that's, that's win, yeah? Yeah, 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 that's two. Yeah, you know, and then I don't know how you're going to, like, mime the, uh, yeah, 2-1, yeah. I don't know how you're going to mime the, uh, the the player who gets man of the match. So, I think we might just have to give him minus points. But either way, I've got to do this because we've got to, we've got to now find out people's podcast predictions. So, let's start with Forest Green Ravers at home on Saturday afternoon. Clive, I'm going to come to you first. 2-0. Is that a win? Two wins, yeah, sorry, 2 0 win. Flint. Cam, you're next. Now, I, I think 4 0. I think he went 4 0. Type it. Type your predictions and I'll read them out after. Mick, I'm going to come to you. 3 1. Aaron Lewis. Is that a win, yeah? Yeah. Just to clarify. Yeah. Aaron Lewis. Uh, I am going to go for a 
4-0 win. Uh, and the man of the match is going to be... Um, Aaron Lewis, I'm going to go. I'm going to go with Nick. Uh, for Harrogate, I'm going to go for a two-two draw. Man of the match, Christy Pym. Uh, Clive, your Harrogate prediction, please. One-nil win. Yep. Flint. Uh, Nick. Uh, I'm going to go for a nil-nil Flint. <laughs> a nil-nil Flint. I like it. I definitely haven't muted Cam. Muted Cam. Oh, I. Oh, I you did. I can hear you. You can. Right. Can you hear right. me? Quick, give me a prediction. Right. Um. Five nil Harrogate win. McDonald and three one against Harrogate win. Uh, oh, hang on a minute. Hang on a minute. You've just gone. Five nil Harrogate. Harrogate. No. Yeah. Five nil Forest Green win. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, McDonald. And Harrogate three one win, and Aikens. Great, popping back on you. Then we don't have to talk to him. Uh, if you want to get involved in podcast predictions, please do so via the link in the description. You must do it no later than one hour and one minute before kickoff on Saturday afternoon or on Tuesday night. I would give you uh, the latest uh, leaders in the podcast predictions league. But I can't be bothered, and we've done 63 minutes of the show, which means it's time to say goodbye. Uh, Cam has written swear words in the uh, in the uh, in the, the chat box. So there's only one thing to do: remove guests. See you later. Uh, he'll be back in four weeks when he jumps on the bandwagon again. And Nathan will be back. Uh, Nathan will be back when we lose a game. So we'll see him next week when we inevitably lose to Harrogate. Uh, wave goodbye, Cam. Uh, thanks so much for watching and listening, everybody. We will see you again next time on the show. For the fans, by the fans. Why? Because Mansfield always matters. So there you go. Another podcast ticks in. All for one and one for all. Mansfield Town still unbeaten going into games against Forest Green Rovers and Harrogate Town. Will it be the same this time next week? God, let's hope so. Let's hope that our momentum continues to build and we continue to get a foothold in that top three. Play along with podcast predictions now via the link in the description. All that's left to say is my thanks to all of the Mansfield Matters podcast panel tonight. Yes, including the guy that is definitely not me. He's definitely not me. How can you even say that he looks... It's absolute... It's an absolute... That people think that he's me. And to be honest, if you thought that he was me, you all. We'll see you next time on the show. For the fans, by the fans, this is the Mansfield Matters podcast. I do not look like Cam Belton. Absolute... Night, everyone.
And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.